today's conversation is going to be interesting because I told Richard, other ones that we had is I had a topic, but it's not going to be like this all the time, but I decided to let Richard pick the co a topic that he wants to talk about because well, oftentimes when Richard and I have a conversation, it could go on for two hours or longer and we don't know what we're going to talk about and I get to answer the question. So I thought, hey, give it a try. So the topic is, again, that understanding all of us going to die and what the heck are we going to do with the remainder of the time and how do we want to live this life? So welcome, Richard. Thank you for agreeing to do this again once more. Um, Thank you, Song. I am delighted that you invited me to come here and interview you and in your own words to ask you anything that I wanted to ask you. So I hope you don't mind if I broaden this beyond just the theme of death oh, and yeah. to enable me to, in fact, completely unscripted, you have no idea what I'm going to ask, but um, I think our audience will find this interesting because I wanna ask you some of the big questions in life. And when I reflect upon our friendship, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, similar to the Reader's Digest, for those who remember the old days when Reader's Digest was one of the most widely circulated magazines in America, they used to have a feature called the most unforgettable person I have met. And there's no question in my mind that the most unforgettable person I've ever met is Misung Don Donahue. And the reason for that, in prefacing what the questions that I'm going to ask is, that Misun is one of the most evolved people I ever met in my life. She has really, really thought about the deep probing questions that all of mankind have tried to deal with over the years. And she's come up with very specific answers that work for her. So Misun, since you gave me carte blanche, I wanna challenge you on a lot of your beliefs, if, if I may. And I'll start by asking you, do you believe in God? Absolutely. I was going to say, well, you know that. Absolutely. I do know that. And I knew you would say absolutely. So the follow-up question is, how do you know that with such certitude, Miss Sun? Well, I guess I wonder would be, hopefully, with an answer to everyone. I believe it's not it's something, well, there's a million things I can show example of tangible, of course, because we're living in a tangible world. But more than anything, because my heart feels, now it, but it isn't just the feeling, because that sounds so corny, right? But it's the look around us and everything. It's like every single day that I know God exists, because the miracle that I encounter every single day, it is nobody could have scripted, nobody could have scripted, and how amazingly that my life has worked out. And when I say, worked out it does mean that i walked in a lily path and life was life was easy i i would say it this way and that would be more thing i did not come to this life neither have you or anyone in this world to be easy everybody thinks being easy is like on some kind of comatose state that's how i visualize it in my mind we come to this life to learn lessons, learn lessons and become the, the best we can be of whatever that we experience, that, that you connect, you sink so well, that you have a moment in your life, it's like that aha moment, like, a, like I belong, that I have accomplished, or that I feel loved. And there's no other way to explain because we are always looking for this tangible experience um, thing to prove to us, which I don't even know what that means because it's really all concocted by us, right? If you give me this proof, I believe you. If you don't give me this proof, I don't believe you. But it, it is instead is our own concoction. So how do I know that really God exists? All I have to do is look at my life and all I have to do is look at caterpillar that comes to be a butterfly. I mean, that is just so extraordinarily amazing. Natural things that you don't pay any money. It just happened to fall in front of your feet. Or that just the right person comes along and say just the right things to you. Isn't that all miracle? 
absolutely. And your answer does not um, put you in a unique club. Through eons and eons of generations, the primitive people have looked at the miracles that surround us. And the only way they could come up with an explanation as to where did this all come from is that there has to be some tr divine transcendent power. Would you not agree? Oh, absolutely. And let me just go through just a little bit more on that. When, if any of us look at our lives, I'm gonna remove myself just slightly. Any of us look at our lives, and because most of the time we are so focused on what went wrong, but look around you that you are just a cover with miracle. And how does that miracle happen accidentally? That just the right person show up, just the right things happen, the right job comes along, right this. And it's, there is no other way to explain than divine inter intervention, or that I also believe that we walk through this life not alone, but with the consistent, constant guidance from the moment we take this breath. Well, that's beautifully expressed. And I, I must admit, I do concur with you. I have the same feelings that there has to be something. However, I'm here to play devil's advocate and to ask you the probing questions. We live in a world today where we don't believe things on faith. We believe things based on science. And in fact, many could say that science has become the new religion. And so therefore empirical evidence that can be, that can be tested over and over and by multiple people leads to truth. Therefore, how do you answer the question that we come here, as you say, to learn lessons when there's no, no empirical evidence of that. There's just this overwhelming feeling that we as humans have when we realize that things do work out through serendipity and, and, and you know, different connections. And we find that, wow, there is some, there's some power. That's a feeling. That's not something that can be measured. How do you answer that, Michelle? Well, when I say that we come to learn lesson, and it could be subjective, not necessarily objective, that somebody might put it. But the thing of it is, I guess I see it this way. You don't, if you go to school, uh, per se, when the child grow and they go to school, they, you don't give them a physics lessons. You don't give them a, a PhD. You start at the bottom. You start at the first grade and the kindergarten. So it's not that one soul is greater than the others, as I perceive in my understanding of whatever you want to call the, my access to the dimensions. We have to go through the work that we must do. So to me, is when you see somebody who say, who has more education than other. They know more, more things than that somebody who hasn't gone to school. That somebody, so to me, so when each soul that comes, some are more intuitive, more evolved, more kind or whatever, and some are not. How does that one explains that? Because to me is in, in terms of the work of the spiritual world, then it, and it really nothing, everything is about spiritual, even though we call different names. So by focusing on that doing the studying and working at it, then you, you complete your course, then you, you, then you move on to the next and the next, next grade and next grade and next grade. So to me is that we, we all come, but we don't all have the same work. Depends on the way you left off and, and where, where is your starting point is. Um, so to me, they cannot be anything else other than to come to learn, and that doesn't mean we have to absorb it, absorb it. We could just waste the entire life away. But seem to me is an opportunity. If you want to become, I mean, if you want to become a spiritual being in this world as so-called science-based, you have to read the book, you have to listen to the teachers, and you have to study, you have to dedicate your time. So that is exactly what you're doing when you come to life, or you can just go or am just play or do whatever you want and don't learn anything. So is it, but that's your choice. We have an opportunity, maybe that's a better word, to learn and become more evolved soul 
and understand better because in the end of the day also we are not this body we think we are this body when i think richer i think of you and the image so when i see richer i said oh that's richer but that's a that's a false narrative that's not richer that's just a container it's like calling every fourth car saying that's that's richer it isn't it's a different car that inhabits so it's different faces different body inhabited by different souls different energy i have that feeling every time i attend a funeral where there's an open casket i look at the person and yes it's the body it's what they appeared to me to be but i say to myself that's not the person i knew that's just their matter yeah yeah so let's go back to god again so do you believe that god created this unfathomably expanse universe with some then they now believe some two trillion gal galaxies each galaxy containing a hundred billion stars or more do you believe that god created this absolutely I, I believe that this means I can give you a proof that this means I understand beyond that there's certain things I, I say is beyond my pay grade and for that matter, I don't even know that I need to understand anything beyond because I don't think my brain can absorb nor understand at this particular time in my evolution. I think it, it has been expanded. But to understand precisely how is all the intricacy is, I don't think I'm going to understand, but I'm also at peace that if I don't understand, that's okay. Well, what, what am I going to do? Me understanding, is that big a deal? The, the analogy I use that answering some of these big questions is really like asking an, an amoeba to do integral calculus. It's just way beyond their pay grade as an amoeba. But still, I want, to, I want to start with asking you some of these questions. So if God created the universe, who created God? I don't know. The God itself? Okay. Yeah. God itself. Okay. You know, the biggest thing I find that it, once upon a time, you know, when anybody it could be a small question and big question, when you don't have it, you just keep going at it and, and mm -hmm. you're not satisfied and you just feel dissatisfied. What's beautiful about for myself, that place that I take comfort is I don't have the answer, but I'm okay with that. And I feel like even if the answer was given to me, I wouldn't understand anyway. Like I said, my brain hasn't expanded that big. Right, right. Okay, could you describe what God is to you? What is God? Is it a wow. spirit? Is it a consciousness? Is it an intelligence? Is it a man with a beard in the sky? What is your definition of God. Wow. Now, when I was a child, the God was a man with the beard floating around in the sky on the cloud, like a riding and taking picture of everybody who's doing what, like a little bit like Santa Claus. Now, that what is God? What does a God looks like? Who is God? The God is a pure energy that access everything and anything. It is, it is, God is the drop of water that you drink, that I drink. The God is the caterpillar, the butterfly, is everywhere and everything. So to me, God is everything. There's not a one space you can't even stick a needle in it, anything that you would avoid God, that God is everywhere. That's to me. So for instance, in my studio, when I walk in, I believe in there's an energy everywhere, even in your wall, even in your shoes, even in your hair, everything. So when I, and I always believe even in my younger days that walls hold everything that goes on in that room and that tension. You can hear it is, is contained there. And I believe that whatever the tension that we put into whatever the object, it might even get even bigger expansion. So in my studio, whenever I walk in every single day when I leave, I say, and there is a lot of different forms of God, but God, there's only one God, but he has showed up in many forms for different 
all of us to understand in different places. So I have like also Buddha to Shiva to Jesus to every lot of it. But when I come in every single day, I say hello to, I address every single one and I said hello. And then I say goodbye at the end of the day. But I also say, I know you are only one God that has showed up in a many forms. So I ignore, so I have this conversation every single day, whenever I come to my studio anywhere, or so the God is everywhere. To me, God is everything and everywhere and everyone. Do you believe that people can have a personal relationship with God? Oh God, yes. There's, an, there's no other way other than, it's not that can, I think we do. Depends on what kind of relationship that you you have personally is the one that you have yeah, is your own construct. But yeah. And do you manifest that through prayer? Uh, yes, you can. That's a one way to do it. And my world is that my conversation of twenty four seven is constantly. I love to get in, uh, and it's all manifested in every which way. It's, if the God is everywhere, everything, and is everywhere beside you, you can't escape it. You can say, oh, you're not there, blah, 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 blah. But end of the day, if you are that piece of God that God has created, how do you, how does one escape from that? I mean, you can do a lot of protesting mm-hmm. and you can create negative energy, but it's still there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's my personal relationship is times when things are rough. I love to get into whatever the place I used to say, jump in the car and I would say, okay, I, I don't know what I don't know. You know everything. So can you just drive the ship? Because I believe in free will that God will allow us to do whatever they were going to do and to suffer the consequences. And that I would have to explain a little more elaborate, but this is my conversation. I don't know what I don't know. So please, can you, and I have already told you, don't give me anything uh, that is not good for my highest good. So that is my, usually my morning prayer because I am afraid that I could manifest, bring things onto me that is not good for my highest good. And since I don't know everything, I don't know, I know very little, I kind of have a put the power in the powers to be, which is the God, him, God, her, himself. So I said, if it is not for my highest good, doesn't matter how badly I want, don't give it to me. So that mm-hmm. is how I, I live my life. Now, since you believe that it's quite possible, it, it's a definitive thing for you that you can have a personal relationship with God and that you can express that through prayer. Will God answer prayer? In other words, will he intervene into the material world to change events or circumstances such that your prayers become answered? Yes, but not in your time, not in my time, in God's time. Oftentimes, all of us, of course, God answers our prayer. That doesn't mean it's like a dime store that you go in and say, can I have this and can I have that? It's God's going to give it to you. No, it doesn't work like that. But in the other hand, all of us pray ceaselessly. I think most human beings pray for whatever reason. It could be the things they want. It could be something great or good. But most people I find, they don't wait for the answer. They just kind of pray and say it and just kind of go about life and not aware that oftentimes uh, their prayers been answered, but they don't even notice. Because oftentimes we are fixed in our idea, like God, if you love me, would you give me X, Y, and Z? If I see this, 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 that means I got my answer. Sometimes the God's uh, the prayer that answer, it may, doesn't look anything like what you ask for. It may be different, but we are so fixed. And, you know, it's like if you're looking for your wallet or whatever, and that you're fixed in that particular color of their wallet. And if it could be a 10 other wallets sitting there, but you won't recognize any of them because you, your eyes are fixed and your mind is fixed on what you want to see. So it is a capacity as a, something that I have trained myself. It doesn't, it's not always successful, I would say, but at least I try to stay open, let go and see what God revealed to me and to be aware of it. So it's more of the awareness 
not get fixed in what I want. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit about religion versus spirituality. We live in an age in which there's great skepticism about religion. And religion was always the vehicle by which people could come together in community and worship God. And with the scientific method that we talked about earlier coming in where evidence is required, a lot of people feel very negative today about religion, such that when you ask most people, what are your religious beliefs? A very common answer today in today's world is, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. They'll make a point, a very emphatic point, but I'm spiritual. And I think that speaks to the fact that that believing in some transcendent power is almost wired into us. We, We really need to believe in that. Could you talk about your beliefs and how they're differentiated between that which is religious and that which is spiritual? Okay, well, I find that in a religion, the doctrines, I have spent much of my life, my earlier life, looking at authority figures. So when I look at a religion, it's really another person who have, well, let me, let me uh, just back it up a little bit. The religion's not necessarily a bad, but how it is put out there. What is their motivation? Is that for the motivation? It's for the greater good for that person's spiritual well-being, the, 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 the well-being of this earth and all? Or is it self-motivated in terms of a person who's delivering it for uh, the reasons of controlling? Really, the key people and confined it in space is almost like a business. They want, this is the religion that I believe, and if you buy all this, then you're going to go to heaven, or you're going to go to hell, or you're a good person, you're a bad person. So it depends who has packaged up and what was their motivation. So to me, it's a lot of religion comes from that place. A lot of religion is coming from that place to control the masses, to control their thoughts and everything else. The spirituality is, and if we can teach our children and all that we become that, to me, the spirituality is innately, there is empathy, there's love that flows within us. So it's a capacity to allow human being to unfold from their highest place or allow, it's like watering the sea, that that each being, so the mother who waters it or the father who waters it, feed them and nurture each child. So I'm using mother and father in terms as, as a God, that so they will reach their highest potential. Or are we watering it also? We can control them and we can keep it within our own philosophy and within our camp, you know, whatever you want to call, within our own tribe. Then it's something is terribly wrong because all those thinking that we've been going along with for thousands and thousands of years. Think about it. If the science is proving today that we are energy, and that's very easily for me to conceive, is you can have this body. The body is the shell, as I said. So when you look at a beautiful television, beautiful refrigerator, anything you want, or the car, car does not run without a gas or electricity, uh, or the television does not run without electricity on anything. So the spirit that is not tangible, that somebody's trying to control it within the confines of the body. So it seemed to me, is that those, so that is the big, big difference. So if you can allow the spirit to grow, because think about it in, in this way. When we pass from this earth, we are only in case long as this energy is in this body. The moment that our energy exits, or we cease to breathe, that we know, we call that a death. But where does that energy go? Where does that energy go? You cannot contain that energy. You cannot contain that energy. So seems to me is the religion tried to hold us in that container. But spirituality, that energy always wins out. And that's the difference in seeking the freedom of our own energy, our own being. Would you say then, therefore, that you are happy with this increase towards spiritual awareness 
and a reduction in emphasis on religious tradition and dogma. Would that be correct? Um, and I'm going to qualify that yes and no, because I think there's a lot of traditions. Um, it has a place. It has place because the rituals and traditions and all religion, Eastern, Western, European, it all has a place. And as long as it's played out correctly, when I say correctly, mean the self-motivation and control has to go out the window. So if there's any organizations are trying to control the people, then it's, it's, not, it's wrong. But if their interest is allowing them to grow allowing to become the, uh, the best they can be. So the trusting and having faith in the God itself, um, to me, but those traditions and ritual helps you to get there. So those are important. So I'm not throwing baby out with the bathwater. Those are important. It, it all has a place, as long as it's not abused. Long as, but that's where- what about is your own judgment because you cannot, because to me, there's a God within us has so much knowingness. Oftentimes we cancel that out and hand it to everybody else to make the judgment for you. It is a listening to your inner self, your higher self, not your selfish self, but your higher self. And if you can follow that, if you can follow that, then I think you, you'll be okay. You can listen to everybody and you can filter them out. So when you commit yourself, as I know you have done, to live a spiritual life where there's a lot of emphasis in your world about nurturing and developing and taking care of your spiritual essence, what do you get from that? Human beings generally don't do anything unless there's a payoff for that investment in time and energy. What is your payoff? What do you get from living in a spiritual awareness as opposed to a total focus on the material world like most, most people do? Well, Richard, as I'm listening to you, my brain is kind of scrambling in this way. What is the payoff? Well, it seemed to me, and, and this is a question I have asked many times, I'm here. I, I have taken the breath into this life and taken a physical form. I happen to believe it is an absolute my choice to do so. So the question I ask myself is, why am I here? What am I here to learn? So what is the payoff is to discover that my highest self, what does that mean to my highest self? Letting go of all the yawnings and achings of what this world perceived to be, perceived that is important or that I have perceived that it was important. So the payoff is that can I come into, I wanna be awakened human being, not awakened human being actually, awakened spiritual being. So the time is like, you have taken on the train, you have got on the boat, whatever it is, so I have come into this life. So the payoff would be if I can get to a place and be at total peace and not attached to the results of life then I, that would be my big, big, big payoff. And not only that, and if I can complete that, if I can accomplish that in this life, on any life, what is next? That I don't know, but if, until I, I, I can complete that task right now, whatever is in my hand, that if I can complete them, I can move on. If not, that the fear factor would be, I would have to repeat this all over again. And I don't want to. So whatever the payoff is, this is time is given to me and how am I going to utilize it in my best capacity to serve my highest good in, in that, even that what is that highest good? I don't exactly know because oftentimes when I, I keep unraveling and unraveling, then I ask myself like, then what? Then what? If I understood everything, then what? I don't know. I don't know. But you look around the earth, and if we can evolve and we can cherish one another, then perhaps the next world they're waiting for us that we can create, not 
necessarily the God, but the, well, the God within us. So the God gave us an opportunity to mess up the whole thing or, or make it. So once, you know, when you accomplish something completely, then you can do like something even better. And you don't know exactly what that better is, right? So I don't know. But if we can become a better human being, if I can become a better human being, more peaceful human being, more loving human beings, what's next? I don't know. But I'm, I'm anxious to, to know, not in a bad way, just like, wow, like, I don't know. That would be nice. We all have this rendezvous, this inevitable rendezvous with death. What happens when we die? Oh, I wish I could give you a quick, well, I mean, I have a different answer. The spirit would exit our body. I think uh, I heard some people say that the life you live is the life that you go to. Do you understand what that means? Is the whatever the world you're living that you think you're going to escape is the world that you're going to go. So live your life creating continuously the beautiful life. So if you have a beautiful life, where you will go an opportunity will be the beautiful life. So where do we go? What happens to us? Well, from my understanding, and I believe this with my all my heart, is that my energy will exit out of this body. Where do I go? I think this dimension that I will go to, my personal belief, is the whatever that I have created and has earned. Not that because I was a good person, I'm going to go to heaven and whatever that heaven is, or that I'm going to go to hell. It is that that dimension that I have worked toward is the dimension that I will end up at. And all of us will. That is what I believe. And, and I could answer that because it, the, the question you're asking is actually, it's not only the spiritual that we, we evolved to, uh, you know, that's a Tibetan book of uh, living and dying. And there's a lot of books been written on it. Um, I don't, it, it's not that simple. I mean, some people do believe that, you know, they're going to see their mothers and fathers and grandfathers, all that. I do find that that is a very narrow thinking because if we are the matter, this physical body is just that it will dissolve into the earth or it will get cremated or whatever. But in our head, then when we see our loved ones, that's, that's what they're going to look like. I don't think so. I don't think so. It seems to me that you believe this on faith because, again, there's no hard evidence. There's no scientific evidence that these things will occur because no one has come back from death. Well, I have you have. Okay. Could you talk about that? Wow. Well, I think we all have. And I have a witness people who is coming back of, of my personal experience. I know they are. They have. So I had an experience in 1992. I have lived my, most of my life thinking that I am the way I am because of the death of my mother, because that was the most traumatic experience in in my life as I knew it at the time. My, I was only about three, three and a half when my mother passed away. So everything evolved around when things went wrong, when things went right, it was everything to do with my mother. I was amazed every single time and there was not a day that he went by, I wouldn't call Amma. Amma is a Korean word for mother. Like I would like, if I was scared, I'd say, oh, Amma. And if I was happy, oh, Amma. It was always like, so I lived my life much like that. But in 1992, I, in, in March of 1992, I went to sleep on Friday night. I, so throughout this, this Saturday, and reason I'm telling you all that because there, there was a very the demarcation. There was a man of La Mancha was playing in Lyric Theater in Boston. And I was, my friend was taking me to that. So I remember all those details. In that dream, an early morning hour, this man appeared. This man was about medium size in a very specific clothing and so on and so forth. I'm going to go fast forward. He appeared and I was talking to him and he said, Misun, I am here to answer your questions that you've been asking all your life. That why you think that you are the way you are, that you, that you think that you are where you are is to do to death of your mother, but that isn't so. And I that said, was your story, yes, correct? Yes, uh, yes. 
Well, that, that was my story, but that was also factuality. My mother did die, and I, you know, we were the, uh, practically orphan, me and my sister. So he said, you think you are the way you are is because of the death of your mother, but that isn't so. You are the way you are because the life before this one. Not only that, this life itself has benefited from your last life. Your current life has not, where you are has, has very little to do with this life. Well, if you could imagine that I wouldn't, I said, I don't believe you. I, I can't even believe it. So that story went on and he said, well, I'll show you. And the next thing I know is he seemed like I, I can't even tell he was holding my hand. We took a journey and we were in, I, I would say we have crossed the continent and we were in Europe and I thought we were in England. And we were standing in a theater, in this huge, huge old-fashioned theater. And he opens the screen, he swiped his hand across, and the whole curtain goes back. And he began to show me my life before this life. He oh. will begin to show me when I lived. And for the sake of, I think, this uh, thing, so I'm going to skip a little bit, is that he will show me the life before that how I die, my last life. Um, and how I return in this life. I did not, I was so upset. And once he showed me, I saw my death, I saw my new birth. And as he showed me, he also explained to me that you ask for this life. You insist on it for that matter. So you own this life. That you knew that everything that has happened to you will happen, and you still wanted this life. So you own this life. I was so angry with him. I said, I don't believe you, I don't believe you, that nobody in the right mind would choose this life, not consciously, that's just ludicrous. And I woke up, I was so upset. It would take me about 22 years to fully come to terms with all the details of wow. this. Yes, I did ask for this life, and I understood that everything that it was going to happen, but I still wanted it because it would help me to achieve what I need when I, I can become the person that I wish to be so I can do what I need to do in this life. You said earlier that discovering our purpose is very, very important. What is your purpose in this life? Well, my purpose... Why are you here? Why are you here? Well, one of the last one of the last things or the in between as transitioning into this life that I said is I can teach differently this time. That was those were my words. I can teach and I can teach differently this time. So my purpose in this life, I, this could all be my delusion, Richard, and I understand that. But my purpose in this life, as I think I have become more clear yesterday morning, frankly, I know exactly how I'm going to teach. It is to shift the consciousness and the energy, not the doctrines. I have gone to a lot of retreats and learned and read hundreds and hundreds of books. I would dare say thousands. It is not from that place we are going to change. It's by shifting the energy of within each human being when we are able to access our true sense without, in, uh, the, uh, uh, without the yoke of this world. If we can get in touch with our, ourself then, and change that energy, I think the world can be transformed. Do you believe that one person can change the world? Well, no, but I'm going to say no in this way. One person could activate enough so that that one person, that person change and, and beat the next person and that next person can teach somebody else and so on and so forth. But as a one person just, you know, putting a hand over and just change it, no. I think it is the all in, in doing. It is, uh, it is active, activating each energy. So I guess it's yes or no. One person can change by doing, teaching the next person, then the next person. And, and is that that hundred monkey theory? Is that one person could set the energy pattern to change that thousands and hundreds and millions? Let's talk about an aside that you 
mentioned very briefly, I think it's important that our audience think about this. You said to me, Richard, I could be delusional. Mm -hmm. So in light of that statement, and I commend you for your truthfulness, how do you have a knowing about all these things? How, how it's really, we're, I'm trying to bring it back to what we first talked about at the very beginning. And you talked about, well, you just look around, there's so many miracles. It, 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 I just know. Um, is there any more to be said about that? Can you go a little deeper in that? Where does the knowing come from? I think each one of us, again, I'm gonna take it back in this way. Each one of us, it depends how much time we put in. So I'm not going to say I'm more special or I have a more gift because I don't think I do. What I do have is that consistently pursuing to understand of the subject of a spiritual journey that I am on, that everybody's on, but I've been really at it and really just digging and digging and digging. Consequently, I think some of us has more access than others simply because like you go get your PhD and two and three and four, then you have more information, like more schooling, whatever you want to call. So that could be, um, say, my case, but it's been mostly in my experience, my personal experience, is I do get understanding. It is very clear whether it comes in a form of a dream or has come in a form of a download. I could be standing somewhere and as though the words cannot even begin to explain, nor can I even write it because amount of information that it just comes to me and I have a full understanding of how it functions, what it is or how it is. As for instance, I think two example that is coming fast and furiously lately is that uh, one of them is literally is, um, I was thinking about the podcast. What do I do in the format? And I told you they come up with whatever you want. And one day when I was teaching yoga in the morning and all of a sudden what it came was just so clear why I'm talking to the audience on the television world that it came is no, you need to talk to individuals, ordinary people, not, ex um, not experts because we have had enough experts and et cetera. So this is all the information coming. So I can see it in a format, exactly what I need to do. And it, it just was so plain. I must well have been, been in a two different total plank. So the entire audience was looking at me is I'm giving instruction of for one hour and 15 minutes, but my brain has already downloaded how the entire format's gonna change. And I understood so clearly, like looking through the daylight or, you know, and, it, it was that, that information, which flipped it completely of a way I was going to do it. Or that other day, literally that it came yesterday morning, actually that just totally came to me is what I meant is that I can change and I can do it differently, which is that I understood it isn't, it's within the energy changing the each person's energy, not that me making them change, it's themselves changing and that how it's gonna be performed. So that's how I know, that's my, that's my toolbox. Knowing you as I do, one defining quality that is very, very different and very apparent in you is your relationship with the truth and how important it is for you to live your life in truth. In fact, in your book, The Journey of the Motherless Child, which I found to be one of the best books I've ever, ever written, ever read, there's a line in there in which you say, I don't care about being right. I don't care about being wrong. I care only about the truth. And as I've observed, you've lived your life with that motto, so to speak. Could you talk a little bit about truth, what truth means to you and what is truth? Truth to me is an oftentimes, you know, that objectivity that you have to have, at least I try to have, that doesn't mean I succeed in every way, so I don't know. That is a judgment to be held by somebody else. What I do seek is that when I come to the conclusions and things, I ask myself, did I have a personal motivation? What benefit am I going to get this? So whatever that I was seeking, was it altered by those things, self-motivation? of that truth is that the truth itself, that it works for entire human race. 
for everybody, even that he wouldn't, he won't benefit me. Maybe it would even bring me a harm. But was I that clear and that straightforward to seeking? So at least I don't BS myself or bullshit myself. Um, so that so that is the measure that I use as seeking the truth. So I will call that God's truth, the divine truth, not personal truth. Because oftentimes it could be a motivation for the greater sake of my family or because of this, am I going to lose? Am I going to gain? Am I going, is that going to improve you know, anything? Or when we operate from, again, and those are all fear-based as well, because at the end of the day, as I, I know, I was gonna say I would perceive, but actually I know, is when I leave this earth, when I leave this earth, and I'm not talking, this body isn't going with me, it's just my spirit. It is what I know that what I have lived, that energy and the place as, uh, that I have lived within that energy is that knowing that I was honest with myself, not deluded, is very, very important to me. Because I have a feeling that how light you are or how heavy you are have a lot to do with, again, is everything is energy. So if I'm, telling myself lies and concocting things, I would have to drag all that energy with me and I don't want to. So if it's, I, I can be, it's, it's really simply put, it is much, it is all very, very um, selfish reasons. I don't want to carry luggage and I don't have to worry about that because you know what, when you don't tell truth, when you don't live life in the truth, and I don't mean in a tangible way, think about it that residue stays with you always in the back of your mind somewhere along the way that you are never free, never free because that is always lurking at somewhere. And I'm trying to free myself from wondering that, that I can literally just wake up and be, just be, I don't have to worry about it. Because at the end of the day, none of this, all this, how much money you have, how many things you own, how many, anything. You're not gonna take it with you for God's sake. So why are you putting so much energy into all this? Americans fear death. We don't talk about death. We avoid death. We go to funerals. We're very uncomfortable with death. We don't know what to say to the bereaved. I noticed that you're almost fearless about death. You very definitely have changed your relationship or not change your relationship, your relationship with death is very different than what is inculcated in the American culture. Could you tell us what that is? What is, why, and why that is that you don't have a fear of death? The death is my friend. And to me, is that that's an unavoidable thing, right? That is, you can't escape it. So I might as well embrace it instead of wasting my energy trying to get away from it. And what I found is by accepting, as I have talked about before, is that I become more familiar in this life with the death, well, at least in this consciousness, is because of the death of my mother and because she was so very young. She was about 27 when she died. Um, once you accept, like anything else in life, once you accept the inevitability then you can move on and do other things. Then you are free to do it. But when you don't accept and you're just kind of skirting around constantly, then you're spending all your energy trying to avoid it instead of celebrating. Because any second that I'm acknowledged that I can die, I wake up this morning and I, it's a beautiful day. My eyes are open. I can see the beautiful sky happen to be. I happen to teach yoga this morning. But the thing of it is by me embracing it, me being aware of it, I found myself, I was so free to live this life and taking nothing for granted. Nothing, you know, it's like people putting away savings account, like, oh my God, just in case the you know, crisis comes, I have this, I have that. Well, you know, in a physical life that could be yes, but um, there's nothing for me to save fear because which means if I live in a fear and I don't do this and I don't do that, I, I do mean to use your judgment. That means you're robbing yourself of joy robbing yourself of joy, the venture or the relationships or, or taking chance to see you can do it and you can't do it, you know, taking that chance because you may not have it tomorrow, but you have it right now. If this is what you're passionate about, go for it. Because, and so facing that and having my dad just like walking side by side with me on constant basis, it has actually gave me a life 
it freed me completely. Mm. And my last question, Nisam, uh -huh. when you die in your yeah. physical form, Will you be reunited with your mother? And in what form, if, if the answer is yes, what form will she take? It's not reunited, I think. Because so, that's almost, um, you know, when I die, then I'm going to see my loved ones and so on and so forth. Maybe perhaps in a, some form or whatever. But I think in each soul is a continuum. So if we, I look at it, is they're going to be standing there waiting for me? I can't necessarily buy that. I think that form of energy, I have been already reunited with all the ones that I love. They are with me constantly in my heart, everywhere I walk, everywhere I am. Or for that matter, for my belief system, some of them are already back on this earth. I'm, I am having relationship with them, that energy, not necessarily as my mother this time or whatever. So I already been reunited. And for me personally, also, um, my recognizing my mother was so young and she had a rather tragic and sad life, uh, the living through the war and everything else. So a long time ago, my wish for her is that I send it to her already and said, you did enough. I love you. You don't need to do anything more for me. I'm so grateful for what you have done. So I'm not seeking more. And whatever the life that form that you have taken, whatever you are, I want you to be happy. I want you to be free. And I want you to have a beautiful life. And I'm so grateful. So this is a prayer I sent out a long time ago, and I continuously do so. So, um, so I feel I'm already reunited. I don't have to die. I don't have to leave this body to be reunited with all my loved ones. They're with me everywhere. Well, Mason, thank you so much for all that you've shared. You've been courageous enough to be very intimate with the audience and tell us a lot about yourself, your own personal deeply held beliefs. And I'm sure that that's going to be of great value to a lot of our listeners and viewers. So thank you. You're welcome. I hope it's that more than anything, Richard. I hope it satisfied you. <laughs> yes you did <laughs> well thank you very much until next oh, time sounds we're good. all still going to die and I only mean it in a way we're going to exit this body nobody dies bye thank you thank you